Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Lucasfilm presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 88, The Hunter, Star Wars, Issue 16, cover date October 1978. Hello, time travelers, and welcome back to another episode of The Comic Book Time Machine Presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I just got back from a trip back, back in time. To do what? To buy comics. That's what. I went back in time to July of 1978, where I was able to find the latest round of comics to hit the stands, and... Here's how this works here at Marvel's Cosmic Comics, by, presented by the Comic Book Time Machine. Uh, we go back in time, and we find Star Wars on the on the spinner rack. And this time, I, I, I went to a gas station this time, and this gas station was well-stocked with their Marvel, Com- Marvel Comics. And uh, I look for Star Wars, and then I look for everything else that they licensed. So I'm not picking up Spider-Man. I'm not picking up X-Men. I'm not picking up Avengers. I'm not picking up Captain America. No, I'm picking up Star Wars. And what else am I picking up? Well, this month, cover dated October 1978, I I picked up Star Wars. I picked up The Human Fly. I picked up John Carter, Warlord of Mars. I picked up Godzilla. And I picked up... Uh, I, I lied, I guess. I picked up a Spider-Man comic. Yes, this month, Marvel team-up featuring Spider-Man. That's a team-up book. It's a fun book where you get to get a nice sample of the, the Marvel Universe. And I'm not sure how much I should say about this particular issue because, frankly, I, I, I'd almost like it to be a surprise when we get to it because it is just – it's gonzo, all right? It's, it's bizarro world. Um it's not the greatest comic in the world, but I bought it specifically because it is just such an oddball kind of thing. I, I will say this. In the little box, you know, the box with the character uh, that's in the upper left-hand corner of the Marvel Comics covers, there's a picture of Spider-Man because it's Marvel Team-Up featuring Spider-Man. And there's a picture of Stan Lee. And then there's this stylized N. A stylized N that used to be used for a network, the network being NBC. Now, no, this is not a return of Man from Atlantis, who I can't remember if that was NBC or not. It's been been a little while now, but no, it's not a return of Man from Atlantis, although that would be a welcome, welcome uh, team-up for Spider-Man if that was to happen here. Uh, There's a, a man with a sword, a samurai, 
it looks like, and he seems to be fighting or getting ready to fight another samurai. And I, I think that's all I'm going to say for now. We will get to it. It will have its own segment. It's not going to be relegated to Ben's bullpen bulletin. No, this is licensed and it's Spider-Man. So that makes it sci-fi. Uh, even though the characters aren't fantasy or sci-fi, although human fly, I mean, he's not, well, he would be sci-fi. I think science fantasy. Um, anyway, uh, speculative fantasy as I like to call it sometimes. Anyway, we're here for a Star Wars comic first, and then in the next segments, we will do those other books as well. And we'll also get into some Devil Dinosaur and Machine Man. These are all on the stands, July 1978, but they're all cover date October 1978. That's my birth month, and I, I've, I've talked to you about this before. There's just something special when you pick up a comic that has your birth month on it, even though you know they didn't go on sale. That means they were coming off the stands during that month. I don't care. It's labeled October, and this one for Star Wars, it's labeled October, and it's issue number 16, which is my birthday, October 16th. So I look at the cover, and I see October, I see 16, and I say to myself, this comic was made for me. And when we get into this actual issue, you're going to find out more about why this comic was made for me, kind of. We'll get into it. So, let's get into it. Star Wars issue number 16 is called The Hunter. The cover has a picture of this guy I've never seen before. He has a skull symbol on his right shoulder. He's wearing huge body armor. The cover says The Hunter, but it also says death and destruction are his tools. The Star Warriors are his targets. And then on the cover, it has Luke Skywalker. It has Chewbacca. It has Han Solo. It has R2-D2 and C-3PO, and it has Jackson, the green space rabbit. He has returned. He has returned. Wow, I did not know there was another story with Jackson, the space, ra ra the space rabbit, in it. I thought we were done. I thought George Lucas hated that rabbit, and they just never came back to it. I was wrong. And looking at this cover, I have to say, when I first opened this up and started reading... <sighs> I have never been more delighted to be wrong. Actually, that's probably not true. I probably have been more delighted to be wrong. But in this case, I am still very delighted to be incorrect. So the story uh, is by Archie Goodwin. He's the writer and the editor. Walt Simonson and Bob Wiasek are the guest artists. Uh, Denise Wool is the letterer. Bob Sharon is the colorist. And James Shooter is consulting editor. So we've got a strong team here, too. A really strong team. Is the story strong? You know what? Let's get into it because I have to say this is the weirdest Star Trek or Star Wars comic that I have read that I can remember. Okay. I mean, you throw in all the weird Don Juan uh, Quixote and Jackson the Space Rabbit and all that stuff in those earlier issues. I think it's eight through ten. You throw all those things in and that's yeah, it's bizarre but it's not gonzo. And you know, maybe this isn't so gonzo. After I first read it though, I was just like I said, delighted. This was a really interesting and bizarre read because it's not at all what I expected, especially looking at the cover. Now, why is that? Well, we'll get into it. Let's get a little bit of the plot here because there's a lot of plot. And I'm going to spoiler, it's a pretty decent story. 
There is a couple plot holes where I just have to scratch my head and say, okay, do I care or not? Does the story, is everything else, the art, the story, the characters, all that stuff, is that good enough to make me not care that there's a couple of problems with the story? And generally speaking, I have to say, eh, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Uh, so here's the, the, the character on the cover with his great big giant gun that has a bayonet on it. It's a giant laser cannon with a bayonet, and he's wearing that armor. His name is Valance, and he's a bounty hunter. And he's attacking this medical facility, this neutral medical facility. Um, you know, the, the, the Empire and the Rebellion, and, and it seems like anyone is welcome to come to this place to receive services for medical problems people who are dying and stuff like that he's not attacking it though for any kind of bounty he's attacking it to destroy his own past and as he's going through i mean they're going through just they're blasting everything and everyone and destroy and basically they're trying to get to the computer core the the center and he experiences some regret as he's doing this uh but it's not regret because he's not getting a bounty not regret because he's having some sort of humanist change of heart no He's having regret because he can't take pleasure in killing the droids on the base. Or I should say destroying the droids because in his mind, maybe they don't have a soul. He is a droidist. He hates droids. And if you remember in the first Star Wars movie, there's that one scene where the, the droids are trying to come into the cantina and the guy says, we don't serve their kind here. And, you know, the, the, so it was kind of this, well, why do people not like droids when clearly they're lovable? Like R2-D2 and C-3PO. Why do they hate droids? Well, we find out later on in the Star Wars uh, prequels that the reason is because of the whole droid army and everything like that. And so they're not as trustworthy and, you know, whatever. Here we have a guy, though, who is absolutely he just hates droids and wants to destroy as many droids as possible and hates droid lovers as well. And it really fuels him. It, it, it just he he's passionate about it. I mean, he really wants to destroy droids. So. While they're doing this, though, there's this old man that they find, and he's mumbling about Han Solo. He's mumbling about the boy, the farm boy, his droid. He's mumbling about the, <laughs> the green rabbit man and Amaza. Basically, he's mumbling about all the things that happened in Star Wars issues 8 through 10. And the guy is Don Juan Quixote. You know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, this is Don Juan Quixote from those issues, issues eight through 10, who he was hurt. He survived. He survived. He's alive, but he's on this medical facility and they realize, okay, Han Solo, there's a huge bounty for this guy from Jabba the Hutt. And then there's something else, something else that starts clicking with Jack's or with, with Valance. And so he's satisfied that his objective is done. The medical facility has been destroyed. They blow it up, which means Don Juan Quixote is now dead. So pleasant surprise and disappointment. But now they're going to go after Jackson, the giant six foot tall green rabbit, because they are going to find him and get the information for where the boy and his droids are and Han Solo. I mean, basically, they're going after this bounty. They find Jackson on this backwater planet, but Jackson won't talk. And they actually, they hang him upside down and they try and interrogate him. But uh, he's rescued by Amaza. 
unfortunately, after he's rescued by Amaza, she lets it slip where that world was. Uh, she says, um, she she says to uh, to Jackson, some fun, eh, Fuzzy? Like being back on Aduba 3 with the man and the gang, or with Han and the gang. And they overhear it. So now, Jack uh, Valance and his men know. But Jackson and Amaza, they, they can't just let it be. So they race Valance and his men to get back to the planet. They do. They get back to the planet. They arrive there first, and they start warning their friends. And they say, Jim, there's a there's a price on your head. These guys want you because there's a price on your head. And Jim's like, I haven't done anything except for start of the family. I'm expecting my first kid. So they don't know why there could be a price on Jim's head. Now we go back to Valance, and we get some flashbacks to Valance's past. He used to be an Imperial trooper, almost died in a battle against the Rebellion. And then... Uh, he was saved, but at a price. And that price was something that would make him never be able to be an Imperial trooper ever again. Never be able to stand with pride with them ever again. Then he puts in a tape, literally uh, puts in a tape to watch one page of the Star Wars characters. Luke, Han, Chewbacca, Leia, Obi-Wan Kenobi, C-3PO, R2-D2, Darth Vader. They're all there. He gets their backstory. And it says that, uh, but the boy was, but it was the boy who fired Valance's fury for his part was done with the cooperation. Indeed, the friendship of two droids. And he can't bear that. So they come to the planet. Jackson is there. They get in space battle with Jackson. Jackson is put into a forced landing just outside Jim's village. And as Valance's crew comes out, Jim starts a Bantha stampede. Most of the crew is down and out. Valance is surrounded. And then he realizes that Jim, Jim's not Luke Skywalker. He's not the farm boy he was looking for. He expected because Han Solo was there. And there's this farm boy with a friend who is a droid that that's Luke. But it's not Luke. So he blasts them. He's surrounded by Jackson and uh, Amaza and, and Jim. He blasts them with a weapon that comes out of well, where did it come from? I mean, he didn't. He wasn't holding one in the previous panel, and all of a sudden he's blasting them. Well, we find out as he escapes, and he's on his ship, he's flying away, and we see that he's been damaged. And he peels away his skin, Terminator style. And find, we find out he's a cyborg, and that in that accident, or in that battle, I should say, it wasn't an accident, it was a battle, um he was saved by being made into a cyborg. And so it makes it ironic that a robot hater is half robot himself. And man, okay. <laughs> this is, this was a fun comic. This was a lot of fun. Uh, it was interesting because it's a star Wars comic and the characters from star Wars appear on one page. So if this might be the comic that makes uh, George Lucas say get rid of the Green Rabbit, I can understand that. I mean, George Lucas's characters are literally on one page. And it's a flashback page. And it's not only a flashback page, literally Valance sits down on his spaceship and watches the movie. He watches the first movie and we get that one page recap, but it's he's he's got a tape that he stole from a rebel spy and 
<laughs> it's kind of funny to me that he's sitting down and watching the movie. And this is at a time, I guess beta was around. Um, but, you know, VHS wasn't, wasn't huge then. But I guess beta was around because people were making bootleg tapes already of the Star Wars holiday special that appeared on, uh, I can't remember what network that was on. But um, <laughs> they, uh, it was happening. But he literally pops in a, a tape of Star Wars, or you know maybe at this point it's been changed to uh, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Anyway, the other thing I do have to throw out there is even though this is Walt Simonson and he is a fantastic, fantastic artist, I just have to say Darth Vader is hard to draw. <laughs> he, he is, and uh, it's just not a very good image of Darth Vader fighting Obi Wan Kenobi. Everything else, art-wise, is pretty good. And there's energy, there's emotion on the faces, there's um, there's pathos. I mean, that last panel of the book where he peels away the skin from his, his face and his hand, it's sad. It's not heartbreaking completely. I mean, this is a murdering murderer who murders, but it's sad. Uh, just the look on his on the half of his face that has emotion um it's it's a sad panel and everything is really exciting and it just i really really (laughs) i have to say the artwork is great for me the story is pretty decent for me the story structure is nice because you have that reveal at the end which is you know okay it's a nice reveal but everything in this issue has led up to that reveal now the whole robot hating thing doesn't it's not the greatest thing in the world. It's not the greatest motivation in the world uh, at all. But um, at the beginning where he's trying to destroy his past and he's also trying to um, you know, take pleasure in destroying the robots. And then he's just absolutely motivated to get Luke Skywalker because Luke Skywalker not only dealt a serious blow against the Empire, but dealt a serious blow against the Empire with robot friends. And all that stuff. It's revealed throughout the thing, but that first scene where he is going on this mission without any bounty. Well, why? What's, you know, and there's, there's this mystery. And then when you get to the end, it's an ending that I wasn't expecting. And when you get to this end that you're not expecting, this is one of those nice reveals where everything later earlier in the issue clicks into place. So while the motivation is not the greatest and the whole, (laughs) I'm, I mixed up Jim with Luke Skywalker. That also doesn't really ring too true. Um, and then there's the whole flashback where he finds out stuff that he would, he really doesn't necessarily have access to. I mean, should he be able to put in a tape that has all the information about what happened on the Death Star and to the Death Star? I mean, I guess if it's information from rebel sources, but it just it that's a little bit eh. and then the whole the in that information the information is not only there but um the information includes information that Luke Skywalker is friends with these droids not just using these droids that would be I wouldn't expect that to be in a spy report but I guess I could see uh you know I, I guess spy reports don't aren't just about you know hard facts and information but also motivation and uh, you might put in a spy report that, that Luke actually cares about R2-D2 and C-3PO because that could be used against him. Okay, so I've talked myself out of it. Maybe that would be in a spy report. It still feels a little... Um, 
it, it just doesn't it, it just doesn't ring true to me. Uh, the whole the information he got and where the information took him and that he had such detailed information and yet it was not detailed enough because he thought this farm boy on this other planet was actually Luke Skywalker. But uh, everything else though, I mean, it, it works, it works well. And it brings me to that. end. this is a nice self-contained little story about a bounty hunter named Valance. Bounty hunters. Let's get to that. Now this is pre empire strikes back. And it's kind of funny because this issue has a few different things that kind of telegraph forward toward empire strikes back. I don't think this is stuff that Luke Skywalker lifted from this and not Luke Skywalker, George Lucas lifted from, uh, empire strikes back. And I'm not sure how much these guys knew what was going to happen in empire strikes back anyway, when they were doing these stories. But first of all, you have, um, the bounty hunters and the bounty hunters are seeking, I guess Greedo was a bounty hunter. So maybe this is not so much looking forward to empire strikes back, but it is maybe looking backward to the first star Wars movie and saying, okay, maybe, uh, extrapolating on, on things like Greedo. But then you have, and this kind of cracks me up. Um, you have, uh, a cyborg. Now, Darth Vader himself is a cyborg and Luke Skywalker is going to become a cyborg. And here you have Valance who reveals that he is a cyborg. Now he's revealing it in a moment of you know solitude. He's not revealing it to anyone other than us, the reader, but um, Darth Vader is a cyborg. He's probably pretty well known as a cyborg, but Valance just can't serve in the empire as a trooper anymore because he's a cyborg. It's just, it's just too much of a, too much of a stigma. Well, no, I don't think so. I don't think Darth Vader is really, you know, that against people of his own kind. Um, unless maybe Darth Vader just really resents being a cyborg and <laughs> says, well, I am a cyborg. I hate that. I hate myself because I'm a cyborg. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to um, make it so no one else can serve in the empire who is a cyborg. I doubt that though. I also don't think they really knew how much, that figures into Darth Vader's character. Uh, we certainly didn't know. I mean, obviously he had the breathing apparatus, but it, it, it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's a little goofy. And then the other thing that, that uh, kind of references to the Empire Strikes Back is the next issue blurb on the final page says, next issue, the Empire Strikes. <laughs> so uh, this is, I I have to say, that's all fun. That's all. It's it's all good fun here. It's a fun sci-fi adventure following a bounty hunter who has a tragic secret. And it is a well-written, tightly, I won't say tightly plotted, but tightly revealed mystery. And all things considered, I mean, I don't know where this guy is going. I don't know where, if he's coming back. I mean, the Empire is striking in the next issue. But um, at, at this point in time, I'm I'm reading this and thinking they, they, they better bring Valence back because he's going to be a pretty serious um, antagonist for our crew. And the other thing I'm saying is they better bring our crew back <laughs> because one page, that's just not cutting it, man. That is really surprising that this whole thing is secondary characters who were created for the comic. And that just, that's a bizarre thing to me. I pick up a Star Wars comic. I'm expecting to read the adventures of the people 
who are from my movies, man. I mean, I remember reading a comic that was about Lando Calrissian, and that was okay because he was from the movie. I didn't mind reading those solo adventures by, well, with, with Han Solo because he's from the movie. Yeah, give him some supporting cast. But make them supporting cast. In this case, it's a little bit goofy to me that they have gone this far uh, in bringing in new stuff. But I'm assuming it's new stuff that's going to set up some of the problems and some of the situations and some of the antagonists in the future. And now I have some hope. Could we see Jackson again after this? It's possible. It's possible that we could see him again, not just on a joke cover published by Marvel Comics in their modern Star Wars comics. But it's also very likely that that we won't. It should also be said, Jackson also brought with him some of the um, rabbit humor um, references to Looney Tunes. In fact, there's a character named Daffy, who is one of the ones who are, are interrogating him. Um and he does say, what in the holy hutch? I mean, there's it's it's not the greatest thing. Now, Amaza, it was nice to see her back as well. And she still has that kind of femme fatale kind of uh, air around her. Um, her best line. I love this line is uh, the high life on these backwater worlds can get pretty low. I like that. I like seeing Jim happy, married, expecting his first baby or their first baby. And then Don Juan Quixote, he's dead. That was sad. This comic, it really did uh, elicit emotional responses from me. And that's the best kind of storytelling is, is storytelling that connects on an emotional level, you know, in whatever way. That's why, you know, you watch a horror movie. You watch a horror movie to be, you know, be, to connect on that visceral level. You watch a comedy to laugh. You watch a romantic comedy or a chick flick or whatever to feel well, to laugh and to feel sad and then to feel happy again. And and you read Star Wars comics to get a little bit of excitement and maybe some thoughtful sci-fi. And there is traces of thoughtful sci-fi here with the character of Valance. So that's all I have to say about this comic right now. But boy, am I glad I got to read this comic. This was a fun one. Now, the next issue, it says The Empire Strikes. I did, you know, I it's not... <laughs> Next issue, I think, is a fill-in issue. If I look at the cover, special issue, An Untold Tale of Luke Skywalker's Past. It's actually Crucible, not The Empire Strikes. So, okay. So maybe we're not getting The Empire Strikes yet, but that is okay by me. So next up, we're going to be taking a look. Uh, might as well go with Human Fly first. And... That seems to be the trend anyway. We're going to go with Human Fly. We're going to end with John Carter. But in between, there's going to be some Godzilla and and that Spider-Man that I was teasing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, next segment will be Human Fly issue number 14. So thank you for listening. And uh, this uh, the podcast promo I'm about to play, these are all... When I play promo, I play promos from podcasts that I actually listen to and I actually like. And so this one, the G.I. Joe Real American Headcast... It, it ties in nicely with what I'm doing here since I'm not touching G.I. Joe with the license stuff, but um, Aaron Head Moss is doing it over there on that podcast, so I don't have to. So again, thank you for listening, and until next time, may the Force be with you, and Godspeed.
Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, Human Fly, issue 13, Chasm of Fear. Attention, Joes. This is General Hawk. I have an important mission for you. I need you to listen to G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. It's a monthly podcast where Aaron Moss, Codename Head, and two other Joes, Ryan Daly and Kyle Benning, will be reporting on the comic book G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Previously published by Marvel, currently being published by IDW Comics. We'll also cover the special missions, the yearbooks, order battles, etc. To hear their message, report to G.I. Joe.com. HeadSpeaks.com or iTunes or Stitcher Radio. You can get further information at Facebook, Google Plus, and Twitter. All under G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. Dismissed. Now we know! And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, is a proud member of the headcast family.